Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hello, welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore some of the big old money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barnes. I'm Scarlett Foe. And I'm Damien Sassauer. Oh, we, it's an in-person day. <laughs> <laughs> John Patrickoff, co-founder and CEO, uh, co-founder with Jonathan Saros, Athletes Unlimited. First of all, what a pleasure it is to meet you. You, I, I can tell, by the way, that you and Damien are old friends. <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> he still owes me money. Uh, oh, gosh. Okay. See, <laughs> and, yeah, see, this is where you jump in, Scarlett. It's like, help me. No, I'm going to let you guys just, you know, roll oh, with thanks. this one. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys have done this before. I yeah. <laughs> no well, first, tell me about Athletes Unlimited. So uh, Athletes Unlimited is a network of professional women's sports leagues. We started in 2020, March of 2020, basically around the idea, um, I'm, I'm a longtime media and sports executive, and, and really when I looked out at the landscape in 2018, 2019, I just thought one of the biggest opportunities out in, in media and entertainment broadly, and specifically in sports, was uh, on the women's side. It was amazing to me to see the fan interest um, and re- the talent of the, the players, but really it's the commercial side of the, of, of the opportunity hadn't been filled in, and my Myself and Jonathan set out along with a great team, and over the last uh, now close to three years, we've built a network of leagues. We've run nine seasons, um, big broadcast uh, partnerships with companies like ESPN and CBS, uh, great partners like Nike and others, and um, we're, 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 I think, part of just a much larger trend uh, that we're seeing in, in long-term trend in, in the investment in, in women's pro sports, long overdue. Long overdue, but there are existing women's sports leagues, too. Um, the WNBA, among the most notable. Within hockey, there's a Canadian Women's Hockey League. There was the National Women's Hockey League, which became the Premier Hockey Federation, so that gets a little bit confusing. What's broken with existing women's sports leagues at the moment? Well, well first of all, um, we are in a great moment for pro-women's sports. Um, as you say, um, we, we certainly are really proud to be in the company of uh, leagues like the WNBA and the National Women's Soccer League that are seeing a lot of new investment, new media deals, uh, tremendous interest. And, and, and it's really a very good moment uh, around the world. If you, if you looked yesterday at the news, new major deal uh, in the women, Women's Indian Premier Cricket League, a uh, large media deal, over $100 million um, you know, done over, over three years, which is great to see. Um, you're seeing investment in European soccer. Huge news out of, out of Australia, New Zealand around the Women's World Cup with massive ticket sales already for this summer. So this is a great moment. The reality is, though, um, like like anything in, in sports and entertainment, it takes a lot of momentum, takes a lot of effort over a long period of time. And historically, women's sports has just simply been underinvested in. Um, and I personally think that there's been different factors that have, 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 have gone into that. 
<laughs> um, but it's long overdue, and and we're in a really good moment right now with higher ratings, higher interest, and a lot of investment coming into into the space. Well, John, you talk about all these new, you know, the EPL, all the sales, all the new football teams, all the people who are buying in, who are cashing out. I think of pickleball, right, which is a relatively new kind of thing that's going on right now. The way pickleball structured is these investors are investing in teams. But Athletes Unlimited is different, if I'm not mistaken, right? You've got players, and then you know you kind of rank them according to win points, stat points, MVP points. For our audience, if you could just explain that a little bit, and then how you have this weekly draft with the top four players. Because it, for me, the compelling um, investment case, I think, for Athletes Unlimited is, is you're not really buying a team. You're buying into the league. And so I wonder if you could kind of just walk us through that and, you know, and, and kind of give us a little bit of color as to how that works. Yeah, th- thanks a lot for that. I mean, so we had the benefit uh, back in 2019 when we were working on the original business plan that my partner Jonathan actually said to me, because what we started actually with the premise, let's invest in one of the existing leagues. Let's invest in the way it's been done. And honestly, the way those leagues have been set up um, are just really replicas of what's been done on the men's side. And Jonathan was the one who said to me, uh, let's actually start with a blank sheet of paper. John, you've got a lot of experience from from your days in, in pro soccer, um, from media entertainment, your time at Disney. Think broadly about what it would look like if you started a league from scratch. And what we came up with a few key principles. And one of the foundational principles was that we are in an age where athletes have increasing resonance and increasing power, and they should be uh, centered really at, at the core of what any new league is trying to do. And so that was our fundamental premise. And so we then thought about the fundamental economics of a business model. Leagues today are set up where expansion is so key. You need to grow from 10 teams to 12 teams to 20 teams. It's all about expanding into new markets, more teams. And we thought the opposite. We thought, what if we could create a short season in one location where you had a fixed number of players instead of there being a certain number of teams and relying on expansion? What if we could just focus on the best players in that sport? And the way we'd make it interesting and exciting is the individual players would change teams each week and you as a fan would follow your favorite player through the season. A lot like if you're watching F1 or you're watching uh, golf and your favorite, you know, you're seeing the leaderboard move up and down with every with every play or like every moment. It's like your own fantasy team. Yeah. It is exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. It, it's an easier way to understand it. Um, I think broadly speaking, this is pro league. Um, you as a fan, there are fixed teams that, that, that switch each week. But yes, I mean, there's a lot of elements that kind of bring this in where fans of today are really focused on individual players. And so that was a big premise. Uh, the other pieces of this that I just mentioned were, you know, concentrating the league in one one city, a lot like think of the way the U.S. Open or the Olympics work where you've got one market. So we uh, we have our basketball season coming up. We now run four leagues. Um, our first one to kick off in 2022 will be our second season of basketball. February 23rd, we'll launch in Dallas um, and we'll bring 44 of the best basketball players in the world. About half of them are, 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 are have WNBA experience, um, most of them active in the WNBA now. Um, they'll all come to this market. They'll be there for five weeks. And instead of historically having gone overseas or playing in other markets or taking the, the off season off, they'll be able to come play here, play in the United States uh, and play with games broadcast on CBS and elsewhere um, to really keep themselves exposed uh, to the fans that love them and want to follow them. That's a great format. It's almost like a tournament format. It, it is. It is. And, and you know, we call it a league. Um, and if you look at the four sports we're in, basketball, we're a great complement to the WNBA. Like I said, a lot of the players have historically gone overseas, so now they can stay here. And then we run three other leagues. In lacrosse, we're the only pro league for women in the world. Um, so we call it a league, but you're exactly right. The style has a, form a, a format uh, to it that's similar to a tournament. And then we run a softball league, and, and we run um, our volleyball league as well. This is a secret 
get bowling. <laughs> I like women's bowling. Hey, listen, we're open-minded. I mean, one of the things that's been exciting uh, is that you know, every week or two, I am getting new uh, propositions from people in different sports who see this format and see how it could work. So you're the first one, Michael. If we do, if we do bowling, I will come back. You get all the credit. It's here. It's on the record. But I will tell you that there's certainly other sports where people say, "Listen, um, a traditional league that you know again relies on teams and 12 markets or 15 markets. Maybe it doesn't work, but your format is incredibly efficient and effective. And, and also, what's great about it is the games we produce get broadcast not only in the United States but around the world. And we really, through our social and digital media, really allow the fans to connect with the players. So we make a huge investment um, when you come. It's an amazing experience. Um, but uh, we're excited to expand, and, and that's probably more 24, 25, uh, 23. We're really focused on the sports we're in. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. All right, I want to bring in uh, Bloomberg contributor Don Kissy as well to the conversation. I know you! (laughs) (laughs) Hi, John. Thank you so much for being here. Um, This is really exciting what you're building, and I'm particularly interested in the mechanics of Athletes Unlimited. Where were you finding your athletes? Each sport, um, we have the top pro athletes uh, in each of these sports. Now, in some cases, a good portion are coming right out of college, graduating really at the top of their game. If you look at some of our sports, the power and resonance of softball, uh, volleyball, certainly basketball uh, and lacrosse as well, but really those sports, it is dramatic how uh, how high the ratings are and how much popularity there is. So when many of the players come right out of college and others are, are pro athletes that have historically competed in other leagues. So um, if you take volleyball, for example, there are many pro leagues around the world. About 300 to 400 American men and women play volleyball professionally around the world. They've never had an opportunity to play in the United States. So now all of a sudden they're able to come home. Um, like I said, in, in lacrosse, we are the pro league. So others have, have made it through. Many of them are on national teams and really stay active. And and. And quite frankly, today, some of them and, and many of them do have other jobs outside of, of what they're doing with us. But these are the best athletes in the world. That's great. So colleges, universities, is there like a recruitment format? For example, I have a friend that's amazing at basketball. If she wanted to join Athletes Unlimited. The, the, the bar is is very high to start with. We have had some tryouts and some. Uh, we do have a college draft in a couple of our leagues, um, but we have a very unique format to go back to the way that Athletes Unlimited is structured. So the athletes have really an unprecedented level of involvement and, and control in, in the league. So we have athletes on the board of directors of Athletes Unlimited, and then in each sport we have a player executive committee made up of five active players, and they are actually the ones responsible for recruitment. So they're the ones who identify the players they want to join the league. Um, again, in some of the leagues, we have college drafts that that are a great feeder system into AU. And then in others, you know, it's a pretty high bar. Um, there are a tremendous number of really, really accomplished athletes. And um, it, it's not easy to get one of the very coveted spots in an AU league. So there's a decent level of competition. 
I mean, I would say it's decent. I would say it's world class. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I do think that for anybody that watches um, one of our leagues, I mean, it, it's world class competition. You um, see uh, tremendous athleticism, um, and honestly, you know, people have noticed that for a long time at the college level. I mean, you get two million people watching college softball World Series. You know, a million people watching um, the NCAA finals in volleyball. Um, so we're really now just creating and extending, you know, on on that popularity and creating a, a platform for these women post-college and that's really the opportunity um like i said the talent is there the quality of play fans are out there they've been there what's really lacked is investment and and media uh time and exposure for these sports and so that's happening not just in athletes unlimited but really now around around the entire ecosystem well john that takes me back to my first question you know i mean the structure of your league is so unique you know how I mean, it's obviously a venture investment, but let's talk about Blitzer. Let's talk about 35V and Duran. How do they view this investment? Is it a trophy investment? Are they expecting to make a return on this investment? Talk to us about your partners, about your other anchor investors, and how they're viewing Athletes Unlimited. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the days of seeing uh, women's sports a, as a charity are are really uh, are really well behind us. Not that long ago, but but honestly, <laughs> you really, it's been a, such a dramatic shift since we started in 2019. And I will tell you, when I first went out and started to have conversations about what I saw as this opportunity. There was a lot of skepticism, a lot of challenges. It has dramatically shifted, like so many things do in, 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 in the sports ecosystem. I mean, you mentioned pickleball. It's everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> but just think about two years ago, no one was talking about pickleball. There was no investment. So that's the world we live in. And women's sports has seen exactly that same type of shift. Um, so Sorry to interrupt, but was there a specific catalyst for that? So it's a great question. I, I think that um, the way my experience has been, whether it's been in, in, in Athletes Unlimited or broadly is that it's a series of things that take place over a long period of time and then all of a sudden you see the dramatic shift so I think women's soccer has certainly been a major piece of that seeing the World Cup ratings uh, I think people started to take notice over the last couple of cycles obviously the strength of, of women's women's soccer is a big deal um, and then I think honestly athletes unlimited um, and further investment in the W I mean I think the way that you know the NBA has continued to invest in the W and you see people like Kathy Engelbart come into roles like that I think it all adds up so it's really not one catalyst. It's really a series of a, of a whole host of things. I mean, look at the NWSL right now, the Women's Soccer League. They're about to to sell two two new franchises. And, you know, three years ago, teams were were going for under under two million dollars. In some cases, even less than that. I think the numbers now will be around forty to fifty million that you'll see in the franchise sales. I mean, it's just dramatic. And and I think it's still got tremendous upside. You know, way beyond that. So we're just at the beginning here. Um, and it's a lot of serious investors. And you mentioned some of the partners that we've been excited to attract into Athletes Unlimited. I'll note that you mentioned, you know, you mentioned David Blitzer, you mentioned 35V with Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant. But we've also brought some people who've never invested into into sports even into athletes unlimited like the Schusterman family and Jane Gottesman and a host of others. And I think that's an exciting piece of this this puzzle as well that I think there are a number of investors who are seeing an opportunity here um, who are new to sports. And, and that just expands the pool of capital available. And that's that's incredibly important. So I, and before the interview, I said, come on, don't ask John about betting because you always ask about gambling and betting and everything with sports. So I want to bet on this. And, and, and I'm just wondering, is there something down the road where maybe 
some of the games uh, can go uh, to the online uh, betting sites? So, Michael, one of the things we set out to do, the answer is yes. Let me just start there. So we have uh, betting lines up in all of our sports. Um, we have great partnership with Sport Radar and now with, with Caesars. So Caesars has been a terrific partner and betting lines are available for every game in Athletes Unlimited, which is a big accomplishment. Took a lot of work. It's been a two-year project to get to that place. But it goes to something much larger, which is when we started Athletes Unlimited, one of the theories that we had and, and, and a big foundational principle, because I've been involved in a number of entrepreneurial ventures, is startup leagues have trouble because if you, you start out and you try to do one thing well, you try to produce a game – but you have a hard time putting in place all the other pieces that the NBA offers, the NFL offers. Sports betting is a perfect example. Fantasy sports is another example. NFTs are another example. Merchandise, so many things. And so from the start, what we did is, as opposed to focusing on launching in multiple markets, focusing on the the selling tickets in places, was to really get those elements of the fan experience and fan engagement up. I always say, if you're a fan of women's volleyball or women's basketball or, or the NFL, you want to consume and be engaged 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And sports betting is a great way for many people to do it, not for everybody. And we felt like that was table stakes uh, in this day and age. So we have sports line, you know, bet, betting lines. We just got approved in Puerto Rico. Um, and that's the process we're going through. Every state going through their own process where we have to. And I think it's incredibly exciting. So... Michael, you know, I think you're able to and unrestricted from going on, but go on to Caesars and, and, and take a look Michael at our lines Barr for basketball. is grinning ear to ear. He's already in a Caesars account. He really is. I mean, <laughs> we're all grinning. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Okay, John, you talk about online, but let's talk about global. Uh, One point you made was that the athletes wouldn't have to travel overseas to make a living. Do you see Athletes Unlimited? I know you're still somewhat in your infancy, but as an entrepreneur, you're obviously thinking big more often than not. Do you see Athletes Unlimited doing exhibits in the UK or in Germany or even in Latin America? Because sport is universal, right? To use a tired cliche. But basketball is huge globally. Do you see AU taking this to another country, maybe for a week's, just to build a fan base, just to raise visibility for brands and partnerships? Where do you see it going? So, so, so absolutely. Um, I mean, first and foremost, with each of the games we're producing, not only can fans watch them on television in the United States, but they can watch them around the world. So basically, every game we have produced is available in over 100 countries, whether that's through a streaming service or a TV provider. Um, huge, huge piece of this is, and it goes back to something we talked about earlier, because we are one unified entity at the Athletes Unlimited level, and we run all four leagues under one corporate entity, we're able to do things so much more efficiently. If you saw the recent MLS deal with with Apple, it was one of the big factors that went into that deal. Apple said, we love this MLS content. Not only do we love the content, but we love the idea we can do one deal globally across the board. Athletes Unlimited is set up to do that. That's what we've been doing because we have control and we don't have to worry about 10, 20, other owners and getting everyone together, we have a lot of efficiency there. So there is an absolute global audience. Um, I would say right now, the biggest audience we see 
globally is volleyball. Um, that is a sport that is an absolute juggernaut. Um, there's tremendous investment. CVC Capital Partners invested in, a, in an entity uh, a few years ago to invest in global volleyball. We see that opportunity. We've had players from around the world, from Thailand, from Brazil. Um, and when they're out on the court, the numbers absolutely skyrocket. Um, and then as to your question about expansion, again, each of our, our leagues takes place in one city, but we are moving into an expansion model. In softball, um, we conducted a two-week season to complement our five-week softball season uh, in San Diego. Um, and this year, we're actually going to nine college campuses with our volleyball players to do a series of exhibitions. And I absolutely could see us doing that internationally. Our model is perfectly set up. You I mean, you, you said it before, the tournament model. Envision down the road where it makes sense. We have a five-week season um, in Dallas, but maybe there is a two-week or a one-week event that takes place in Mexico City or, or London or wherever it might be. And, and that's exactly how our system's set up, and we can make an incredibly compelling you know, two-week um, competition um, because that's the way our competitive format works. It's, uh, it's exactly uh, a huge area, one of the many opportunities we see ahead of us. Last question I have is, you know, you've got four sports, you know, you've got volleyball across, um, basketball and softball, you've got 204 players. How do players get paid? Yep. I mean, like, what could they expect? You know, I mean, it's not like they have a team and an owner that they can yell at when things don't go their way. I mean, h- how do they get paid? How do you compensate appeal them? Appeal to, appeal to. Appeal to, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so there are uh, a few elements of the compensation. So every player receives base compensation uh, for participating in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are bonuses based on performance. So every time you win a game or a quarter, there's actually bonuses. And then where you end up on that leaderboard that I mentioned yep. determines the biggest component of your bonus. We also cover... Uh, housing costs, travel costs. Importantly, we cover childcare costs for for the players that are moms, so that they're able to bring their their kids into market, and we we help them coordinate uh, childcare and and cover costs around that. And then the players share in long term profits as well. It's a twenty year profit sharing plan. So if you're a player that plays in twenty twenty two, you'll share in any profits uh, for now in 20 years into the future. Wow. Um, so players are really aligned and incented and an and average comp uh, is now starting to look, you know, like on average $20,000 over the course of, uh, of five weeks. Some players can make up to 50. Um, and honestly, you know, we're a young organization. Um, that's where, you know, WNBA or, or NWSL compensation was just a few years ago. So we're, we're feeling like we're on the right trajectory. And, and like I said, with expansion into softball, um, we have the five-week season, adding the two-week season, increased comp on average around 30%. So so we're still so early in this, but that's our model. Uh, base comp, bonuses, profit sharing, uh, and then really helping, helping the athletes outside of that. Got an old friend of the show, Ice Cube. And an idea popped in my head again before the show. What if you had a women's three-on-three big league? That would get over big time. I I see. I I can't help it. It's like old man bars. Like you know, he's got his beard. Get ice on the phone. Yeah, I'm ready, man. It's like, what do you think? Well, I don't know. You you have to tell me. Bowling or three on three basketball? See, these are decisions I have to make, and I need to know. Okay, start with bowling, and then we can do three on three women's basketball. Well, (laughs) listen. It goes to the fact that there's a lot of opportunity out there, but but our threshold um, is pretty high because you know you go into a lot of different sports. We were very thoughtful. We started with softball because. The numbers are just, again, as I said, spectacular at the NCAA level. There was really a white space there. Volleyball was second, again, for the reasons I said. 900 million people play that sport worldwide. So, uh, And you've got huge, thriving leagues around the world. So, you know, 
that's the that's the threshold, and and I know we're, we're you think we soccer, always love to have Joe, but hockey, they're you know, all coming. I, I think the question is, you know, where is a sport like three on three basketball in that environment? Um, and I think there are a lot of other sports that that um, will come ahead of it, um, in my opinion. But um, listen, there's a lot of opportunity in a lot of different places. We just try to stay disciplined. And right now in 23, our focus is to go deeper into the four sports we're in. We just have so much opportunity with the four sports that we're currently operating in. And so um, my job as CEO is, is, you know, keep an eye, open eye and explore everything, but try to stay disciplined and focused and and execute. And, and And that's where we are. John Patrickoff. Oh, my goodness. He's in studio, everybody. <laughs> That's why the line sounds so clear. No no phone interview line. He, <laughs> co-founder, CEO of Athletes Unlimited. John, let me take just a moment to say thank you so much, for, first, for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports, but even more importantly, for promoting women's sports. Because I have... I have my nostrils have flared and I've gotten angry many times on this show because you said it earlier. I'm sick and tired of, you know, society treating women's sports like it's a charity. And it is far from it. And being innovative about it, right? Yeah. Not just uh, turning a men's league into a women's league. Thinking it through and reinventing it. Yeah, not, I mean, not investing in a full season. I mean, like, you know, I think that's the smart move. You know, let's go slow. Let's go small. Let's, you know, like you said, five weeks. That's the commitment for each, you know, and let's see how it let's ha- see how it resonates with, with our audience. And Cater I think to the audience's attention span. Take what the market yeah. gives you. Well, come to LA. I encourage all of you to... Uh, stay tuned. February 23rd, we launch our basketball season, our second basketball season in Dallas. Uh, come to Dallas. You know, like you said, it's a perfect trip for for, for a weekend uh, to come out and watch some games. And if not, uh, you can watch every one of the games uh, either on on TV with CBS or, or on digital. So it's going to be terrific. Um, and uh, thank you for having us. And and, and I, I would just say, you know, broadly speaking, AU, and I'm really proud of what we're doing with Athletes Unlimited. But I telling you there's so much activity on the private equity side um, on the overall investment side into women's sports it's great to be part of this this and you know this whole area of the sports world and uh, you know that's good for everybody this has been the Bloomberg business of sports podcast we explore some of the big old money issues in the world of sports I'm Michael Barr I'm Scarlett Fu I'm Don Kissy and I'm Damian Sassauer. hey you can catch the podcast by the way every Monday Wednesday and Thursday. And by the way, you can download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.